Lords, ladies, and lieges beyond the binary, hello and thank you for listening to the Green Room Podcast. I'm Denver Green and this is my podcast where I talk to my friends about things they're passionate about. Today we're diving headfirst into a world filled with jesters, knights, and damsels in distress. That's right, we're taking a leap back in time through the enchanting realm of the Renaissance Fair. Today my friend Kari will be telling us tales of her time as a stage performer for the Texas Renaissance Fair. So grab your goblet, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hello, Kari, and welcome to the Green Room Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, how do we know each other? We know each other because we social dance together, swing dancing. We were on a swing team together dancing. for years, and uh, years. yeah, it was pretty fun. Yes, that was such a large part of my life for that time. Like, Aurora and I would go dancing three, four days a week sometimes. I still go dancing three, four days a week, at least. <laughs> yeah. It was fun while we were doing that, but then, you know, other priorities came up. And so uh, I'm glad you're keeping it alive, even though it's not in Houston anymore. It's still good. It's true. Moved away over the pandemic. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Got to follow the money. That's what the <laughs> conspiracy theorists always say. Follow the money. Of course. All right, so we're not talking about dancing today, though. What are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the Renaissance Festival and the four years that I worked at one. I don't know if I'll keep this part in or not, but I'm just going to say uh, I have lots of swing dance friends. And so you were like, I could talk about swing dancing. I'm like, well, I have about 60 friends who could talk about swing dancing. But I have one friend who has worked at a Renaissance Festival. And so <laughs> that is exciting for me to talk about because I have, I have zero... I mean, I've been to a Renaissance Festival a couple of times, but like behind the scenes, I don't know what to expect at all. Yeah, well, and there are lots of different jobs at a Renaissance Festival. And so mine is kind of different because I was in one of the stage performance acts, right? And being mm -hmm. in one of the shows is a different experience than working in the booths or running a shop. There's lots of different types of roles that make the renaissance festival the experience that it is but the productions and the theatric side of it is what i was in yeah should we pause for a second and just say what a renaissance festival is for some rando sure. listener who doesn't know what that is <laughs> so sure. it's like um as uh, this is my understanding of it it's like basically a festival where everyone goes and sort of pretends to be from the Renaissance era or generally from some fantasy era in the past because exactly Renaissance doesn't, people don't necessarily know what that is. Yeah, I think that that's a reasonable description. The Renaissance Festival that I worked at specifically is the Texas Renaissance Festival, which is one of the biggest Renaissance festivals around. Um, mm -hmm. And it includes elements that are not necessarily Renaissance specific. So the section that I worked in was the barbarian section. We definitely fall right. questionably within the scales of what a Renaissance 
is. Um, but there are lots of different sections. The whole concept is that you can dress up, eat a turkey leg, have a fun time with your family. There are lots of different areas, and some of them are less family friendly than others uh, because right. it is meant to be for all ages, and it's a whole adventure. There are jousts, there are fairies, there are pirates and all sorts of fun things. And when you work there, there are a lot of rules about what you like have to be doing in order to keep the immersion for the guests. Mm, and okay. that is a big thing that you'll probably hear multiple times in this show. One of my favorite things, which is just silly, is people dressed up as Star Trek characters as if they are uh, coming to analyze <laughs> Absolutely. History or whatever. And not only and do we have people like that, but we also have a brand new weekend that is Heroes versus Villains. And that one gets all sorts of things superheroes, oh. which don't seem very Renaissance Festival. But yet, you also have the Victorian version of Batman. Uh, and so it's a whole oh. adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's a, part, a big part of it is dressing up. So, like, why limit yourself to the Renaissance? It's, Absolutely. Just keep going. And with theme weekends and things like that, there's something for everybody. It's a great time. I was hoping to look up in the meantime uh, how big the festival is. I want to say it's like 55,000 people, but that is something that I didn't just find. So maybe I can find it. Is that people who it's visit? It's been going since 1974. A year? It's a big thing. Wow. Um, okay, it's five hundred thousand guests annually, so it's a really big festival. Wow, yes. that is huge. Yes. The Texas one is, um, yes. but we do everything bigger in Texas. <laughs> That's right. So that makes sense. Um, how did you get involved in the Renaissance Fair? Because I don't. I think when we were hanging out, you really didn't do it that much. Yeah, this is actually. The greatest question. Um, Here is my (laughs) weird story of how I got involved in the Texas Renaissance Festival. It's going to seem convoluted at first, and I just need you to keep with me, okay? So I'm a chemical engineer. Uh, My job is not related to the Renaissance Festival, even sort of. Uh, But one time (laughs) I was out with my company. We were going to an Astros game and, you know, watching some baseball. And so I had taken an Uber there with one of my coworkers and we were having a good time and he started feeling a little bit sick. And so he decided to go home early, which was fine. I was like, you go home. There are some people across the bleachers who I know are here. Maybe I'll just go home and hang out with them after this and it'll be fine. Uh, The seventh inning comes around. The game is over. The people across the way, it turns out, also left early. And I was like, oh, no. Now my Uber is going to cost twice as much because it's peak hours and before I was going to split it with someone. And so now it just is like an expensive prospect to get back to my car forever away. And I was just like, man, you know what I would rather do? Walk to the tequila bar down the street, get myself a drink and then go back. Because I might spend the same amount of money, but I'm going to have a better time. So I (laughs) walked over to the Pastry Wars, which is a fun uh, bar downtown uh, in Houston. And I was there. I walked in. I was playing Pokemon Go, as one does. And I Mm -hmm. noticed a person sitting at that bar. And I was like, that guy's in the Renaissance Festival. 
I know him <laughs> because I go to the Renaissance Festival like a huge nerd and I watch the show Sound and Fury, which is a really fun show. And I was like, I oh, recognize I him as one of the actors from this show that I like. Should I talk to him or not? No one else is like interacting with him. He's like nicely playing Pokemon Go as well at the end of the bar. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I have nothing else to do right now. I'm going to go talk to him. So I went up to him and I said, you're in the Texas Renaissance Festival. Can I buy you a drink? And he was like, <laughs> all right. And so we got to talking. Um, and some of the things that I need to caveat this story with are, uh, I have a qualification in broadsword fighting stage combat that I got while I was in college. So theater. I do have a lot of theater background. My sister is a professional actress in Chicago at the time. And I like, I have theater experience. I just uh, decided to go a chemical engineering route because I'm good at math and science as well. I told him all of that. I told him about how when I got my like qualification in broadsword fighting, I was always thinking, wouldn't it be fun to be a lady knight in the joust and like take off my helmet and have this long billowing hair? Of course, I just cut my hair into a pixie cut, so it was really short <laughs> then. But anyway, um, and we had this lovely conversation. And at the end of it, he was like, okay, listen, this other show that my wife does is currently casting and you are the typecast for it. Can I get your contact information? I'll put you into contact with the person who's running the auditions. And I was like, absolutely. Here it is. And then I went home and I expected to never hear from him again. Uh, I told my sister this story and she was like, oh, no, you'll definitely hear from him again. This is a lovely time, of course. Um <laughs> And so a couple of weeks later, uh, one of the people who was actually casting the show sends me a message and is like, hello, I hear that you might be interested in this part. If you are actually interested, if you wanted to send us an audition video, that would be great. We just need you singing a song on your own and maybe doing a couple of lines so that we can see how comfortable you are in front of a camera. Um, and that'd be great. And I'm over here like, I'm a chemical engineer. I don't have any audition videos. Are you kidding? <laughs> um, and so but you have out. some experience performing, of course. Absolutely. But I don't have a, like, I don't have a portfolio on hand, basically. Right. I don't have audition videos. So I was like, oh, no, I have to record them. And I only have my cell phone. <laughs> and so I stressed out about it and didn't do anything for a week and a half because, you know, that's what anxiety will do to you. Um, and right. then I was going to go to two different weddings in Colorado. And so I flew to Colorado and I got another message while I was there that was like, yo, we need your audition video if you want to, if you still are interested. And I was like, oh my They're God, another message. They're serious. Exactly. Um, and so I called up one of my sister's friends from high school, who is now a professional piano player and convinced him to play the background for a song so that I could record a video and not look like an amateur. Um, <laughs> and so I met up with him right before I drove into the mountains for one of the weddings and we recorded this uh, song and then I went to the wedding. And then when I was driving back down the mountain from the wedding and I finally got cell phone reception back, I had a message that was like, all right, 
you're cast. You're in it. We like you. It's <laughs> happening. Uh, the first show is in two weeks. Here's your script. Whoa. <laughs> Which wow. is not how things should go, but it's fine. It was fine. Seems like um, they seems like they might have been in a tight place. I'm not trying to talk you down at all. In but. a tight place. <laughs> it's true. Um, conveniently, though, I had the year before bought myself a leather skirt because you should dress for the role you want, not the role you have. I don't know. I right. bought a leather skirt because I wanted to go to the Renaissance Festival in a cool barbarian costume. So conveniently, I already <laughs> had most of what I needed. Uh, and I just had to memorize my lines. And I made myself a top that had like a coyote skull in the center. I got to design my character a little bit. So even though there was a script, I got to name my character and kind of change some characteristics about her. Uh, and two weeks later, I was performing. Wow. So it was a very quick turnaround. Yeah. Like I said, it's a, it's a weird story, I know. And I'm <laughs> sure that it's a little bit of a, I don't know, a, a thing to sit through. So good job, audience. <laughs> Hopefully that'll be some inspiration to somebody out there to, you know, do something unexpected. Like don't say no to new experiences and stuff. Yeah, I feel and like I'm like always being social is fun. Like the more approachable you can be, the more opportunities you'll have, right? Yeah. I'm not sure when it happened, but I always feel like I'd say there was a time before I was married where if anybody told me anything was happening at any point on the week, I would go. And it was like, well, I'm either <laughs> gonna sit home alone, which I could do every day, or I'm gonna go explore something, find something new, maybe meet somebody, maybe find the person I eventually marry, which is what eventually happened. And it was great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that meeting people is so wonderful. And especially meeting people who have the same interests as you is really helpful. So I still really enjoy spending time with that person who I met at the bar who works at the other show. Uh, he's really great. And yeah, we have a lovely time. Side note, is that the guy who you brought to my house? Was it Ryan? Because then yes, but I can't remember. <laughs> Great. So the first show that you were in, how many different shows have you been in? Yeah. So I was in two different like shows, but I was in a couple of different iterations of one of those shows. So right. in 2016, I was in the Barbarian Bombshell show and I play Attila the Honey. Hey. Attila the <laughs> Honey. <laughs> I, like I said, I got to name my character. So of course, right. it's a bad time. I love it. Um, I was also in that show in 2017, although the cast started to change at that point, which means that we started to make some rewrites. In 2018, right. we kind of drastically changed the script because we were changing the cast. There was a lot of stuff going on that was a little bit dramatic, but everything was fine. Um, and in 2018, uh, another show started sharing our stage called The New Tribesmen. They were really fun. And in 2018 or 2019, and I'm not sure which of those, I did a show with them because one of their actors mm -hmm. was sick and I knew all of their lines because I'd been sitting backstage the whole time. And I was like, mm -hmm. I could do the show. I can fill in for that person. Um, and it was so funny. It went so well because it's this show about like being Vikings and manly men. And it was just so <laughs> ironic for me to be doing it. Everyone loved it. Um, so in 2019, I got to genuinely be a part of that show 
while I yeah. was the stage director for the Barbarian Bombshell show uh, because we were expanding the cast and changing ideas of what was happening there. So I wasn't in the Barbarian Bombshell show, but I was in the new Tribesman show. Uh, and then in 2020, they still had the Renaissance Festival and I was unwilling to do oh, wow. it because there wasn't a vaccine at that time and it felt right. really unsafe. And so I didn't go, but the show did continue. And so now my part has been recast and I'm no longer in it. It was technically one of the safer things because it was outside open air i assume was your stage but so you know that is true don't do something you're not comfortable <laughs> with for sure exactly so it's it's true that the renaissance festival was outside but like we said earlier there are five hundred thousand people who go every year and there's <laughs> right. just no way to make that a safe scenario when there isn't a vaccine in my opinion yeah and then there's you know yelling lots of yelling from the people on the stage, but also sometimes depending on your show from the people in the audience, just little right. spittles going everywhere. And so they did do some things like we have a lot of audience participation in the show and they did change that so that we weren't like bringing a person onto the stage mm. or anything like that. Um, right. But historically we would have been doing that. So. All right, cool. So tell me some of like, uh, while you're working there, what are some of the rules and things that you have to follow? Because there's like apparently some lesser known, like unexpected rules and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are working at the Renaissance Festival, there are a lot of rules dictated by the king of the festival. I don't know if this is true at every Renaissance Festival that exists, but this is certainly true at TRF. There's a handful of decrees that you must be following. And if you're not following them, then the king literally could just fire you as he walks through the festival if he sees you doing them. Um, some examples oh. of these things are making sure that you're speaking within the accent so you're not re like removing people from the immersion, uh, making sure that you're in costume. And then specifically for many of the people who work in booths and for all of the food vendors, you have to be wearing a headpiece which again, I think is just to elevate your costume in order to elevate the scene in general. Uh, you have to refer to, you know, Visa and MasterCard as Lady Visa and Lord Master in order to <laughs> make it so you're like paying using the immersion as well. You can't say this costs $6. You have to say it costs six pounds. All of that type of thing is a big piece of the training to work at the festival. And the interesting thing about working in not only one of the stage plays, but specifically a stage play where we are a bunch of barbarians uh, is that barbarians are meant to not be speaking the King's English. We don't have to have the accent that everyone else in the festival has. As long as nice. we're going, blah, 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 we're nailing it. <laughs> so I still right. I still have like a headpiece. My headpiece is there. It's a cool bone thing or it's a cool like crown made out of leather. I have different ones <laughs> for different days. Um, but it is a little bit different for us. We have slightly more relaxed rules because we're the barbarians and yeah, kind yeah. of ridiculous for other reasons. <laughs> it's just it's a little weird. It's just so weird that you have to like have a headpiece. I guess like I yeah, don't know. It's, the it's first like time when... I heard that 
requirement. I was so shocked. But also I look at people who go to the festival and I notice that people who really take into account the detail of something like a headpiece, of something like your jewelry items, you really can elevate a costume substantially level. with minor yeah. things like that. Or That's like cool. a pirate costume. Imagine a pirate costume without a hat. It, yeah. it just doesn't work as well. It just looks like a shabby person who needs to yeah. get better clothes. I don't know. You need a hat. Yeah. <laughs> hat pulls it all together. That's what it is. It does. Cool. I would not have <laughs> thought of that. It makes sense. Um, and yeah, the when you say that they have to speak in the English accent, you mean like the British accent. Yes. Like, good morrow, my lord. That will be six oh. pounds, please. All of, all of the shenanigans the, like that. Like just straight up old timey, not even British. Just Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, people are not good at British accents. It it can be definitely, (laughs) like, if you were a British person and you came to the festival, like, don't expect British English. British accents. Uh, It's mostly uh, ye old timey speak uh, to some degree. (laughs) Excellent. I wonder if anybody has, like, a, a professional linguist on their team trying to teach the people exactly... I mean, what I will say is that there are, there's like a French quarter within the Renaissance Festival Mm. and there's Mm -hmm. a Spanish group and there's like, there are different sectors and the different sectors do speak with different accents. And I personally don't know how much they work on that. Like they might have different language CDs that they're actively working with, um, but they certainly do hold the accent that they have started. And yeah. As someone who maybe is not super well versed, I still uh, think it's reasonably believable. Cool. So, what is the most interesting like audience experience you've had with like people? You know, because you said that you bring people up on stage or whatever. Like, what's the coolest one of those you have? Yeah, absolutely. Or worst. So yeah, when we bring people up on stage, we have a couple of different moments that we do that. One of them is after we have sworn the, the we have made the audience swear an oath of allegiance. They all have to raise their right hand and swear an oath. And of course, when you tell everyone to raise their right hand, half the audience won't. Right? That's mm-hmm. just like standard. But we can see you, right? It's not television. <laughs> we can actively see you. So we'll choose a man in the audience who didn't raise his hand and we'll bring him up on stage, put him in a sack of shame, uh, and then <laughs> make him do a silly dance. And it's the type of thing that is definitely absurd. And I understand that we're choosing someone who is already like mildly grumpy because they didn't put their right <laughs> hand in the air and we're trying yeah. to make them do a silly dance. But if they commit to it, if they're like, well, I guess I'm here, and then they do the dance, it's so much more fun. And it makes it like a better experience for everyone. Then another thing would be that uh, during the... During the show, we have a section where we are training you to be a barbarian. And we typically will choose two people from the audience, one femme presenting, one masculine presenting. uh, And we will pit them against each other. And the very first thing that they have to do is give us their best barbarian battle cry. And so (laughs) often you say, all right, give us your best barbarian battle cry and then one of them will be like uh. <laughs> and it's just a 
tragedy. If the, again, this is one of those, like, if you can commit, it makes it feel better for everyone. Commit uh, a bit. Exactly. And so, like, if you have been pulled up onto the stage, I know that it is scary, right? Like, this is the first time you're in front of this audience. You didn't expect to be doing this today. But <laughs> we're giving you an opportunity to just, like, yell. You can yell with rage, you can yell with ferocity, whatever you want. But if you just commit to it and do something, boy, will that make everyone's day and ours as well. Um, yeah. So when we have the audience participate, I would say that the people who participated the most uh, willingly are the ones who gave us the best impression and were really fun. Right. But another thing that I want to mention in this section is when I first was given this really fun monologue. This monologue is something that was a different character's monologue for a really long time. And then during one of the rewrites of the show that I mentioned, uh, we switched it to be my character's monologue. And I was so excited because I <laughs> love this monologue. It's so absurd. Uh, and it's basically going on a tangent uh, and you just get enwrapped in the tangent and you are actively saying all of the lines of it. And you can see the people in the audience just like getting more and more horrified with what you're saying. And it's just so fantastic because at the end you like scream and sadness and pain and shenanigans and like melt onto the floor. And then you look back up at one of them and you say like that. And they are just like <laughs> staring at you like you're crazy. And it's fantastic. Um, and I remember those very specifically <laughs> and fondly. Oh, and then also, <laughs> after I got to do that monologue once, uh, the whole point of the monologue is that we're trying to tell the men in the audience how to scream in terror. And so we're mm -hmm. telling them a story that they can think of that will help them scream in terror more adequately. Right. Um, and so it's this whole long story um, that is a little bit graphic, which is why I haven't gone into it. So tell okay. me if you want that. But uh, <laughs> uh, after we do that, we're like, all right, just like that. That's how we want you to scream every time you hear the name of our group, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll practice. It's like this, the barbarian bombshells. And then they're supposed to go, ah, right? And yeah. one time the audience didn't scream very well, even after I had done that monologue. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, it should sound something like this. And without having ever told the two other people on stage with me what we were doing, I cued them by saying that line and looking at them like, we're about to do this. Are you ready? And then we got to recreate the entire monologue only without talking and just going, And it was just my favorite. So that sounds pretty cool. We I always love good improv. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you did it on the first time was just improv. And then you're like, you know what? We're going to make that actual. Yes. Absolutely. I love whenever uh, one of the shows is like, all right, this show is only for grownups. Like if, or like, do you do not want your kid around home? Just imagine you're going home, you're sitting in the car and your kid says, Hey daddy, what is fellatio? And like, if you're not ready to have that conversation, you should walk away right now. Yep. 
I forgot what show did that, but that was, it was, that good. was probably sound and fury, but, uh, we also do that probably. Yeah. Anyway, the next question I wanted to ask you about was like, you mentioned that you got into this because you recognized somebody. And I wanted to ask, has there ever been a time where you've been recognized since you've started doing this? Yeah. You know, I have been recognized at least twice outside of character when I wasn't at the festival. When you're at the festival, people recognize you all the time. And even if I'm not dressed up as Attila, people recognize me as that character still, even when I'm wearing a totally different outfit. But when I'm not at festival, I have gotten recognized at least twice. The first scenario was just, I was at the zoo and this girl was like, listen, this is going to be a weird question, (laughs) but do you work at the Renaissance Festival? Uh, And it was like, just like the same scenario as when I went up to Ryan and was like, you work at the Renaissance Festival. And it was great. (laughs) Um, So that was one. She was fun. It was just like a short conversation where she was like, I like your show. Hooray. But the second (laughs) one was extra funny. Um, I was working for a big oil and gas company because like I said, I'm a chemical engineer. That's my day job. And so I was at my day job uh, going down to the cafeteria to get myself some pizza. And the guy who's making pizzas was like, okay, listen, this is going to be a weird question, (laughs) but do you play Attila in the barbarian bombshell show? And I was like, Yes, I do. And he was like, okay, listen, this is a weird question. Can I take a picture of you right now with me so (laughs) I can show my wife and like show her that you work in this building? This is so crazy. (laughs) Uh, And so the pizza guy was like so excited. We took a picture together and uh, it was really fun for me because then all of the people in the kitchen staff of the place that I worked knew that I worked at the Renaissance festival and we became friends Mm. and they would make me cheesecake every day. And it was a fantastic time. Um, Yeah. And so like, it was a weird moment of recognition from the guy who works at my building. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. It was fun. (laughs) I love it when stuff like that happens and it's like, you don't do it for that, but that makes you glad you did do it. Yeah, for sure. If that makes sense. All right, cool. Um, I'm also super curious about like what you know about the other roles. Cause like I imagine doing the logistics for something that has 500,000 people per year is probably insane. Like there's gotta be so many things behind the scene and like so many other just stuff going on. Like tell me what you know about that. If you know anything. Absolutely. So there are a lot of different sections and all of them are run slightly differently. And so probably other people who work at the Renaissance Festival have very different experiences than I do. Um, Within the Texas Renaissance Festival itself, there are several different people who own the booth areas. Our section is run by one person, but the king of the festival is a different person. Uh, The king and queen of the festival have the overarching rules and their word is law in a lot of ways. Uh, And then there are a lot of different sections. Mine is run by a person named Judge. And so there are like a lot of different subcategories and the different stages are run by different people. And there's a lot going on from that perspective. 
after that, there are also probably breakdowns of like the different people who are renting out shops and that is going to change the dynamic as well. So there are lots of different levels of leadership. And I really only had to interact with the people who work at the Barbarian Inn, um, which is a very specific area. Otherwise, I know that there are a lot of different roles. So there are people who are doing stage plays who are like me, who are going to be doing yeah. their show at least four times a day. Typically, it's about a half an hour to 45 minutes per show. Uh, and then otherwise, you walk the fairgrounds, you can uh, wander around, and pretty much you're at the festival to be part of the atmosphere. Right. Uh, then there are people who are working in the lanes and the the theater people who are working in the lanes are part of the- What are the uh, lanes? Yeah, the lanes are where the guests are actually walking around. So it's going to be- Oh, any like of the, the big places pathways. That, yeah, that are the big pathways. And so yes. that's going to be people like the fairies. Uh, that's going to be people like uh, the- uh, There are a couple of trolls in some areas. It's The witches would be part of that. Um, yeah. And potentially you would consider things like the King's court, a part of that. Um, and a couple of other different individual solo performers. Sholo started doing that recently, a bunch of things like that. So it's the people who mm -hmm. have official titles within the system, but may or may not be doing an actual production. Sometimes those people yeah. do have like a small production that will happen at a specific time in a specific area. So there are stage fight groups, combat groups that mm. will do a show at the beginning of the day in the uh, front of the festival. And then they might do another show more near the barbarian section in the middle of the festival. And some of those types of things have running storylines if you are following them throughout the day. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, there are also different courts like the Spanish court and those people have very distinctive characters and they all have interplay within the King's court, which is a whole different, a whole group of people who would be a part of the parade. Also, uh, the jousting area is completely separate from us, but do a lot of really cool things as well with both their uh, production and also just the fact that they're doing the joust, which is sweet. There mm -hmm. are fireworks yeah, that happen nice. at the end of the day. That's run by a whole different group. So there's a lot of different interplaying pieces. And I'm sure that the management at a high level is pretty challenging. Yeah. I didn't. So the people who like have a booth that they sell stuff, they're just like, other people who rent the boot, rent the space and sell their wares that they made? Um, as far as I know, there are people who rent booths and there might be people who buy booths. I don't have a huge grip on that because I am not one of those people. You never bothered with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so there's a lot uh, that I don't have visibility on specifically around how you would run one. But I do that think that cool, you can though. rent them. But then you have to wear a hat. Speak yes. in bad English in yes. order to sell your stuff. Absolutely. All right, that's cool. Um, cool. I think one of the last questions I wanted to ask you was um, if somebody is interested in going to the Renaissance Festival, and let's say they've never been before, what do they need to know? Like, what? How are they going to get through the day and survive and have fun? Yeah. 
The biggest thing that I would say about having fun at something like a Renaissance festival is making sure that you're drinking enough water Mm-hmm. Because especially if you're thinking, oh, yes, this is the time of year. I'm going to wear a corset. You need, you need to Are be you taking used care to wearing of your a body. corset. <laughs> exactly. So make sure you eat enough. Make sure you drink enough water. I can't stress that enough. The next thing that I would say is around about one or two o'clock, try to find something that you're going to be sitting down at, preferably in air conditioning. Most of the Renaissance Festival does not have air conditioning, but at the Texas Renaissance Festival, we do have a couple of buildings that have air conditioning. uh, And I would definitely recommend going to one and just sitting down for an hour because that type of recharge can really, really help. Um, I really like going to the joust, so I would recommend going to the joust. If you have the opportunity to buy yourself a drinking horn that you can also play I love sound makers. You can Um, do both? What? Yeah, yeah. You can plug it with a cork and then you can drink out of it or you can take the cork out and play it like a trumpet. Oh, wow. Do they sell that there? That's something you need to bring. You can definitely buy that there. Um, Oh, cool. Yes, and I would also definitely say make sure that you budget for going to the Renaissance Festival. You're going to want to buy a lot of really cool things. And Uh, if you have a budget limit, then you need to try to stick to it. Uh, You're going to spend more than you expect on food. I would recommend getting yourself some (laughs) bacon on a stick. Bacon on a stick, okay. Um, What about money? Do Do you need cash? I remember when I went in college... They really emphasize cash, but uh, do they do cards more easily now? They do cards pretty easily at this point. I would recommend bringing enough cash, especially for if you're going to the shows. It is really the people who are in these productions are not really getting paid very much to do it, but they do make money through tips. So I know that I'm, I'm an odd case by being a chemical engineer who also likes theater and therefore is doing the Renaissance festival. Most of my friends who are working at the Renaissance festival are professional singers in their, uh, in their actual job. They work as bartenders sometimes. And some of them work full time as Renaissance festival people. And it can be really challenging, especially if you're not getting tips. So I would recommend bringing cash because if you had a good time, giving somebody a dollar can really, really help. And even if it's just a dollar, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, it's definitely a spend what you can. But imagine going to like a theater show. You would spend a lot more money. And even if that show was two hours long, if you quartered the amount of money that you were going to spend to go to a real production and you gave that as the tip for this 30 minute production. Yeah. They would be making enough to make it possible to keep doing year after year. And you might go to three or four shows in the day. So bring that so much bring cash and get cash. ready. Yes. <laughs> so you can um, buy, you can use a card to buy some souvenirs and some food, have some cash for the performances that you're going to. Yeah. And several of the performances these days will also have something like a Venmo. So if you do forget, yeah, there yeah, yeah. are usually ways to get around that. Um, cool. I feel like one of the things that I would recommend is comfortable shoes because there's a lot of walking. The, the fair is huge and you will be, well, and ours in particular is huge. (laughs) There will be lots of walking. So you, you might, 
if you're not used to walking in those, you know, four or five inch heels, perhaps yeah. through the mud, because yeah. it will, it's very likely to be muddy. Like it might look nice, but you got to think about these things. Absolutely. What else? Any other tips? Etiquette? Etiquette? Oh, man. Um, Let's just listen to Schmanners. Schmanners? Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say that a key element is remembering that performers are still people. And so you should not do anything like touch them without their permission or take pictures of them without their permission. Mm. Um, Most of them Mm -hmm. are willing to do pictures but also even when you're in that picture scenario, don't assume that because they're wearing a leather bikini, you can touch their waist. It's still yes. not necessarily good, right? So like, make sure that you're still asking. <laughs> if anything, uh, default to like what Keanu Reeves does, in any picture you look at him in, he just puts his arms out with his hands, like palms out and up. And he never puts his arm on someone's shoulder or anything. He just puts his arms out and then lets the people stand next to him. And then it looks perfectly fine and natural and you would have never even noticed it. And it doesn't involve any potential risky, dirty behavior. Yeah. But the other thing I would say is make sure that you play along, like join in the fun. Even the people who are trying to shout to you from the sidelines and they're saying, oh, ye over there come hither and view my wares, right? (laughs) Like, yes, they are going to be, what is it called? Hawking you? I don't know. Um, But instead of just like trying to avoid their eye contact and walk by, if you banter with them, you're going to have a better day. You're just, you are going to have a better day. Play along. Uh, Bring some Advil so that you can take it and not be grumpy. It's just (laughs) a better time. (laughs) Excellent advice. Like, yeah, you might be nervous whenever somebody's like trying to talk to you or pull you up on a stage or something. But one of the things I often try to think about is like, no one you see there is going to know who you are for like the one time you get pulled up on stage. Maybe your three friends who you go with will know, and that's perfectly fine. And the odds of like that being a horrible, horrible experience, like, is super, super duper low. Just think, like, I'm never going to see any of these people again. Who cares if they think I'm a fool? Just do what seems fun. Absolutely. And, uh, doesn't hurt anybody. Yes, I completely agree with that. <laughs> cool. Well, is there anything that you want to plug? Um, goodness. From a Renaissance Festival perspective? Uh, no, from sure. literally anything. Just from literal anything. Your swing okay. dance the Lindy launch pad, whatever, anything you want to plug. Yeah. I was going to say like my, my main plugs right now uh, are not Renaissance festival, but rather are related to our swing dancing stuff. If you're in Austin and if you're interested in swing dancing, you should check out the Austin swing syndicate. And not only that, you should also check out Lindy launch pad, the Austin, Texas version uh, where I teach a solo jazz class. So I am heavily invested in the Lindy Hop scene. I love teaching dance and I love having new people to dance with. So if you want to come out and join, that'd be great. The other thing that I'll plug (laughs) is my TikTok. I haven't posted in a while, but I eventually might start up again. And if I do, you should all follow me so that we can hang out. Uh, It is Chopped Dragon 97. Sorry, say the name again. 
It is Chalk Dragon 97, like sidewalk chalk, and the high, highest prime number under 100. Excellent. And I'll have dragons, links, which are cool. I'll have links to those things in the description because that's something I like to do. Um, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I hope that you had a good time and you learned something. Mm-hmm.